The Education Channel supports individual educational goals and encourages creativity for all. Visit uctv.tv slash education. Welcome one and all. My name is Morgan Appel, Assistant Dean for Education and Community Outreach at the Division of Extended Studies at UC San Diego. This is Creative Conversations, coming to you in person from the UCTV studios on campus for the very first time. To properly celebrate this landmark occasion, I am joined by Tamara Craver, President and Chief Executive Officer of Reality Changers, a community-based organization that is uniquely well-positioned to serve the ever more dynamic needs of first-generation college students and their families. For over two decades, and from rather modest beginnings, Reality Changers has demonstrated to San Diego and to the world that college changes everything. As you are aware, Creative Conversations highlights innovative and collaborative approaches to equity, access, and inclusion within and across segments of education. Those practices that not only move the needle, as it were, but also serve as catalysts for broader-scale transformation across pre-K through 12 and post-secondary. But before we dive in too deeply, Tamara, please tell me, college changes everything. What is that about And how did your journey lead you here? When you think about college changes everything, we really do mean everything. When you have a student, a first-generation student who goes off to college, you've already implicitly changed the direction of their family's life. You've changed their street. You've changed the community that they are involved in that they now can say, I know someone that went to college. But then when you also think about those students that go into these college campuses, the diversity that they bring to those college campuses also change the dynamics of college. It changes the dynamics of how teachers interact with students. And then we're talking about the workforce. So when I say it changes everything, I truly mean that the ripple effect of equal access to education will truly have an impact in changing the reality, not only of the students, the families, the communities, but also the college campuses and ultimately the workforce that they're going to be in, thus also changing the economic dynamics of the city that we live here in, in great San Diego. Now, interestingly enough, um, we're talking about college changes everything, and, and, and I have been very fortunate to be associated with reality changers in a variety of ways uh, for the last 20 or so years. We talk about college changing everything, but in a very real way, reality changers has changed colleges, the way that we approach first-generation students, the types of supports that we offer to families, and... Uh, Understanding that for somebody who may be going to university for the very first time, whether it is uh, across the country or whether it is just up the freeway, it can be like moving to a, a new a new land uh, where the the culture is different, the language is different, the geography is different, the people are different. So, could you tell us a little bit about your perspectives? on how reality changers has changed the way that colleges interact with first-gen students. Absolutely. Thank you for saying that. I do believe that the the way that colleges are being changed is I think it pushes the envelope a little bit on how you serve first-generation students. So you'll oftentimes hear people say, well, they got into college. They don't Mm -hmm. need any more support. That's only actually just scratching the surface. So the way we talk about how we serve first-generation students from how they purchase their books 
Can they actually live on campus? What does that look like for them? As you said, the geography is different. The food is different. Yes. The cultures are different. So when you take a student who may not have left home before or within a local community and take them out of their normal, that is a dramatic change, not only on them, but I think it also creates a, a different lens for educators to look at of how we serve them. When we think about the pandemic, we think about everyone that went mm-hmm. virtual. That affected different populations completely different. First generation students that were living at home with their families, that was a, d- a dynamic that no one was prepared for. But I think it forced the envelope and pushed the envelope a little bit to think about how we educate and support not only the students, but the families that were impacted and things like that. So it really changes how I've heard professors say how they teach when they know that this student probably 10 times earned their spot to be here because they've outworked most people to even be in the classroom. But that support may just look a little bit different for them. And the support that you you discuss here is incredibly important. So Reality Changers is more than just get students to, but it's also getting them through. So you're able to open the gate. And so talk a little bit about perhaps um, how do you support students and families once they are in college. So we always say two through and beyond. Yes. So it's not enough just to get them into school. We have to make sure that they are successful and thrive on campus. And the way we do that is we have really strong partnerships with our universities like yourselves that really support our students, but work hand in hand with us to be able to support our students, making sure that, you know, they're aware of financial aid, they're prepared when they get on campus. But we also work with the families. I think that is a very key component with the population that we serve is making the families understand what this is going to be for their student and ultimately what this means for them. So we have parent university we've been working for with to make sure that our parents are supported. We have staff that are focused strictly on how to support families, because again, what does it mean for you that all of a sudden your, your child is no longer at home when the culturally this may be that unheard of. So what does this mean that maybe your kid doesn't get to come home every day or every weekend because they're actually studying on campus. So really looking at all of the support systems that exist. So working with them from the time they apply, financial aid, and then supporting them on with class selection, major selection, internships, and then supporting them upon graduation. Because again, you hear, well, they got into college. Isn't college the game changer? Yes, it absolutely is the game changer. It's the golden ticket. But sometimes you still need a little bit of support to get to the next step. So working with organizations and universities and colleges to make sure that that support system is all the way through. And that's something we work very hard with with our university and college uh, partners is to make sure that there is a warm handoff. Mm -hmm. We support them on campus. We have workshops for them. We have resume writing, internship opportunities to make sure that they have a successful experience while they're here on campus. So it really mitigates that sense of culture shock. And really what you are talking about is creating a more seamless experience, not only for those going, but also for the families. Mm -hmm. So the families, uh, whether they're parents or siblings, have opportunities to be involved in the idea that when one goes, everybody else goes, but they do so in a very different way. Now, I know Reality Changers really had um, some very humble beginnings at, at, at its inception and really has transformed the the educational landscape in San Diego, well, actually across the region over the last 20 years. Tell us a little bit about the start of Reality yes. Changers and, and how it has moved through and become what it is today. I love this, the story of how Reality Changers yes. began. Um, so our president founder, Chris Yanoff, was actually uh, a teacher and was working with middle school kids. And 
really started to realize that he was attending more funerals than he was graduations from eighth graders and said he really wanted to start a program that just kept them safe after school. So very humble beginnings. He went on uh, Will of Fortune, uh, you know, and won and used that money to start the organization. Very humble beginnings. It started off with like five students and it really started off to be a keep them safe gang prevention organization. But from that, since 2001, we've now grown to a very powerful college access program. So I truly believe in equal access for education. And I think we've grown and and evolved into this two through and beyond program that really focuses on serving first generation students so that they become first generation college graduates and agents of change in their communities. And and reality changers really is iconic in in the local communities for for any number of reasons. And, you know, what I understand about sort of the the inception of reality changers, it also came about as an alternative to say, don't do this, don't do this, but to provide another option and to really illuminate a pathway. And certainly, uh, you know, at the University of California, our motto, Fiat Lux, is all about, you know, letting there be light, illuminating pathways forward, which reality changers does. And I know that, uh, you know, Chris is somewhat of a legend yes. uh, in terms of the history of reality changers. So tell us, how did you get to reality changers? Because I know you're, you're from the Los Angeles area originally. Correct, correct. Um, so I've been here now since um, August 2019, right before the pandemic. So not, mm-hmm. not really how I envisioned my career starting here in San Diego, but quite frankly, it was um, probably one of the best things that happened just in terms of the organization. So I've been in access to education for a very long time, working with nonprofits that really focus on getting students into college. So this is what I consider my passion, my heart work. This is what I do. This is what I feel like I was built for is to support students to, to get to through and beyond college. So working with national organizations, love the work that I was doing, but I really wanted to have an impact starting earlier because I'm sure you can attest to it. You can't start in high school Mm-mm. with the message about going to college. And I used to always say, if I could wave a magic wand, if we could just start earlier. So when I heard about this opportunity that we start with eighth graders, I said, that's it. This is what I what I really want to do now. So we really start working with eighth graders who have historically have had a 2.0 or below GPA, which is unlike other organizations mm-hmm. in that our what we hope is that when you get a student in the eighth grade and you match them with positive peer pressure, so, uh, surround them with warm and inviting mentors and tutors, you don't have that. Don't do this and don't look down. It's the tightrope theory. You mm-hmm. know, if you don't, t- if you tell somebody don't look down, what do they're they gonna, do? They're they gonna look, look down. down. What course. we say is, you can do this. Let me show you. So you're constantly looking forward and or up. And so that is a different concept than most organizations. Like they wag your finger at them, or you don't do this, don't do drugs, don't do this. Well, go to school. Let me match up with a friend. Come hang out with us. Let's have a warm, inviting dinner. It's a little bit of a different concept because we really want to make sure that we are a home away from home for our students and that they have a safe, warm environment. And we also have dinner every night with our students, warm cooked meals from our families as well. So it I mean, it really is a very family focused endeavor. It is really a place where aspiring college students can feel safe and secure and cultivate such important, not only cognitive skills, but also um, a social emotional right. connection to education uh, that, that really serves as a platform for a lifelong love of learning and success right. all the way through. So you were up in LA the, and the, the position opened 
and it resonated with you. Yes. Let me ask you this. When you came down from Los Angeles, because I used to live in Los Angeles <laughs> and work for Los Angeles Unified School District, I can imagine there, there was a, a, a bit of a, a change when you came down here. Uh, you know, perceptions you may have had about San Diego and the way education works here. What, what sort of things did you learn from that? What I learned was that, honestly, this was the dream community. For me, mm-hmm. personally and professionally, I have found San Diego to be so warm, welcoming and inviting. And I do think that with it being a smaller community, people really want change here. Mm-hmm. People really want to support endeavors that are going to change the dynamics of this city, where I think sometimes people get used to status quo. That is not what I have found here in San Diego. It is let's let's change it. Let's fix it. Let's move the needle. And I think that has been inspiring for the work that I do, knowing that I have a community around me that's like, yes, do it. Go for it. We can all do this together. So I think that for me was the biggest change was that feeling like everybody was a part of the team. Well, I mean, you have so many different community-based organizations, so many different types of institutions of higher education in the immediate area. And what I have found, and much to my surprise when I moved here, that when there is a challenge or an opportunity, San Diegans sort of gravitate together right. to solve it. There, the, These sort of issues, these territorial, these fiefdom issues that you might find mm-hmm. in other cities are just not present Absolutely. here. And as uh, Reality Changers really serves as, um, you know, a a bellwether for what is to come, not only in San Diego, but perhaps across the state and the nation. How do you see Reality Changers as a a means of moving the needle? And how do you work with other community-based organizations? How do you work with institutions of higher education? And I'm really anxious to know, although I, I... Truth be told, I do know a little <laughs> bit about it, well, actually a lot about it, about the successes that Reality Changers have has had over the years. But really just curious about how you work with others. Sure. So again, talking about that, the spirit of San Diego, I think, mm-hmm. um, in inclusivity. So I'll give you an example. We really looked at partners like Junior Achievement. Yes. They're doing phenomenal work in the area that they do. Work, they're working. They're experts in it. We're experts in the work that we do but we serve in the same similar students. So conversation with them is how do we work together mm-hmm. to kind of do the same work for the same students, but having different experiences, not competitor. We're not stealing from each other. It's supporting the same students. And I think the community has really loved an opportunity like that to say, Hey, these two organizations are working together very collaboratively and they're supporting students in different ways. So we can have a classroom of 30 students. They may take an hour and do their financial planning piece. And then we go and talk about financial planning for college. So things like that, where I think people in San Diego are really looking at, let's not reinvent the wheel. Let's mm-hmm. tap into each other and tap into people's expertise and really find ways to support and work with each other. And I think, again, thinking about that, the spirit of San Diego, I think that is one of the things that we've done really well thus far is really strengthening our partnerships in the community with our universities and other community-based organizations. Mm-hmm. And to what do you attribute that phenomenon? Because I sometimes I think maybe it's, um, you know, we are a big city with a small yeah. town feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it is because of the proximity of so many of these uh, these organizations, many of which are now located at our park yes. and market campus. But really to have vibrant and robust synergistic discussions discussions about 
resolving challenges and this this idea which is antithetical to to many community-based organizations and to um, institutions of higher education which is I've got the solution. I'm going to come in and I and don't worry about a thing. I'm going to take care of it for you. Those are not the kinds of conversations that are being had in San Diego. I think San Diegans, at least um, in, in my experience, are incredible listeners right. and incredible collaborators that come from an assets-based perspective versus a deficit right. perspective. Well, I will believe maybe just several pieces to the the why behind Mm -hmm. that. I think the pandemic shifted things for people and it made everyone be very strategic about what they do and what they do well. And what is your lane? What is your thing that you're an expert at? And then I also think that it also opened doors for people to have those collaborative conversations like, hey, you know what? Maybe college access is not what we're good at, but Reality Changers is. Let's work with them. I think um, this idea of playing nice in a sandbox I think that is another reason why I've loved this community. It's like everyone's coming to the playground with all of their toys and everyone's saying, okay, well, if I, if I give you the air for your balloon, we're both winning versus mm-hmm. let me just keep my air to myself. I think those things have really diminished over, over time, at least in my time in being in San Diego, I have not seen that, that other side, um, which maybe has existed, but I don't know about it because mm-hmm. it did, it hasn't been here since I've been in San Diego. Well, I've been here for almost 20 years and it's not something that I've seen. I've, I've okay. seen, Conditions certainly improve, and I think uh, you know the, the the pandemic certainly served as a lightning rod mm-hmm. uh, for that because people were in you know trying to figure out how do we how do we attend to the needs of different right. populations. But I found it to be rather organic mm-hmm. in nature and rather spirited. And I think one of the things that that we've come to understand it's not uniquely San Diegan, but I think most of us understand that we are attending to the needs of a broader right. region that includes. Our, our students and our families who come from Tijuana, Tecate, right. okay. um, Mexicali as well. So we have a very much a regional and highly spirited culture right. around service. Mm-hmm. So now this is not telling tales out of school. I know that Reality Changers has a phenomenal track record, um, not only in serving students, but in serving families. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Yes, absolutely. So we have over 3,000 students that have graduated from our program. Our students are going to colleges across the U.S. We, you know, we have so many amazing universities and colleges right here in our own backyard. So, of course, they're going here. They're winning scholarships at unprecedented levels. We've seen students who have gone from below a 2.0 GPA to over a 3.5 and get into an amazing school of their choice. That, to me, is the proof in the pudding is if you can take a student that may have, not that they weren't smart, maybe just wasn't surrounded by people that were encouraging them, and you change that environment for them, you really begin to change their reality. And so when, you, when we look at our students, first-generation students who have historically come from underserved, underrepresented communities, and then you take them and put them in a, an amazing institution, our students are seven to eight times more likely to graduate than your regular first-generation student because of the support systems we've built in for them and the work and the encouragement we've done for them. So the successes just keep coming. We have business owners um, that have graduated from our from reality changers that are making true impact in the economy in this area. We've had teachers, attorneys, doctors, police, sheriffs. Literally, when we talk about changing the face of the community, reality changer students are doing it and they're doing it very quietly. They're doing it very humbly. And I, I see those numbers continuing to increase and our focus continue to increase. But the area that I that really just gives me so much joy is looking at the parents 
Yes. It's really seeing parents being supportive of like, I want my child to have this opportunity. How can I be of support by coming and volunteering? Some of our best volunteers are our parents. They're coming and volunteering. We're offering special programming now for our parents. We're including the parents in a way that I will tell you in my historically in my career have not always focused on families. It's like, okay, if the kid wants to go to college, he's going to focus on the kid. Mm -hmm. But there's a component of that family unit is that when they feel that they have the support at home, they're going to do even better when they go off to college and and go into these workspaces because we've helped bridge some of those gaps for them. Well, I think when we're going to have transformative conversations about education, we all have to speak the same language, albeit in different dialects. Mm -hmm. But we all have a piece in achieving a common goal. And I know from, from my work in education over the last three decades, courting parents is not always easy. Correct. There is a perhaps a degree of skepticism, mm-hmm. a degree perhaps of feeling overwhelmed, and I don't know how to engage. Tell us a little bit about your work with parents. How do you bring parents into the fold? Mm-hmm. And the parents that you do bring into the fold are incredibly motivated, enthusiastic, and excited to, to participate right. in the process. I would say it really starts with the, we don't really advertise for enrollment for our program. So it's usually word of mouth. So oftentimes it's a student who went through our program who tells a cousin or an aunt or a family member or a coworker, and that kind of helps, I would say, give us a little bit of a warm market sometimes of the people that mm-hmm. have heard about us before. But just as we do orientation with our new students, we do orientation with the parents and we do it together. We bring them together so they, that they truly understand who we are, what we're doing for their students. They're invited to our office at any time. They can come hang out with us, hang out with their students. And we don't charge for the service. There's mm-hmm. no fee to uh, families or students to be in our program. The only thing that we would ask is that a parent would be willing to make a meal for a student for students twice a year, feed 30 kids a day. That's our only commitment that we ask of them. And I think they feel valued. We treat them just as they we as they a volunteer, a donor. Mm-hmm. We, they even have gotten together and had their own fundraising campaigns to support the organization. So they have a vested, they have a vested stake. And are they also contributing to the program's direction? Do they give you feedback or or provide ideas? Yeah. So I think one of the most genius things that our uh, founder did was make sure that in our bylaws that we have a seat on our board that is a representative from the families. So we have a family representative that's on our board that is a decision maker on the board and that we truly have the family's viewpoint and voice in what we in everything we do and how we run our programs, how we fundraise and how we lead the organization. So they feel like they are a very integral part of what we do. So it's I mean, in truth, it's one large family. Absolutely. One large family. Yeah. So Tamara, what are you most proud of mm-hmm. in in your experience thus far? And I know what you're three years in yes. now. But what are the things that really stand out to you? I know you won Several awards, accolades, I mean, they, they are numerous, but just like reality changers, <laughs> a very much understated, uh, you know, you, you, you draw attention to achievements versus talking about them. Right. But what are some of the things that you're most proud of? <sighs> so coming up on four years now, the organization, I feel really proud that we got out of the pandemic strong. That was very important to me. I was like, I did not want anything to happen to the organization on my watch within a few months of coming to the organization. Really proud that we made it out of the pandemic very strong. I'm really proud of those students that we worked with through the pandemic. Um, I would tell, I always tell people when the world shut down, 
we were able to have full head count of our students within 24 hours. Every single student was accounted for. And we also know that, you know, safer at home didn't mean safer at home for everybody in the same mm-hmm. way. But because we had such strong relationships with our um, our families, with social workers, that we the few folks that we may have had concerns about, we were still able to keep eyes on them. That made me very proud. We had students that were stuck on either side of the border during the pandemic. We knew exactly where everyone was. We were able to provide resources. So we became a a safety net in all ways for our students. And that's something that I feel really, really good about. Um, As you said, I mean, I've been very fortunate to have been um, given a lot of awards and accolades, but that to me is not what's most important. It's seeing those students graduate and having, we had our first in-person graduation celebration at Park and Market. To see those students who have literally spent the last couple of years at home on Zoom, be so grateful to be out and be celebrated. That brought me so much. So to be in front of those students and families to congratulate them was like, this is why we do this, to see them get across those finish lines. Um, One of our alums just opened up his second restaurant I was there on grand opening, didn't meet, didn't know him when he was an eighth grader, didn't know him in college, but I know him as an alum of our program and be able to say one of our reality changes alum, first generation student now has two restaurants right here in San Diego. And those being? Ollie's uh, Chicken and Waffles. It's amazing. If you haven't gone, please go check it out. Okay. So, so everyone, <laughs> Ollie's Chicken and Waffles, yes. make sure, make sure you visit, um, contribute to reality changes, go visit Ollie's Chicken yes. and Waffles. Um, now, and I remember the graduations and I, yes. I remember prior to the pandemic, this wonderful sort of parade of sweatshirts and yes. pennants. And I remember going to the Rally Changers office and thinking, wow, isn't it great that all of these universities are, are you know, contributing pennants, sending them over. But those were actually the universities to which Rally Changers alums were accepted. And that was something yes. absolutely, yes. absolutely incredible. Um, what else? What what other things are you are you proud of? So I'm really proud of the way I feel like the community has rallied around Reality Changers. Um, I, one of my, uh, if, if it's a personal claim to mm-hmm. fame, uh, we are the most recent recipients of the Bank of America Neighborhood Builders Award. It's a unrestricted two hundred thousand dollar grant, which in fundraising in any organization, that to be a part of that thing is like a coveted mark of of approval. Mm-hmm. If you can get that somehow, I had been applying for that um, that award for sixteen years. Sixteen. Sixteen years, and then won it last year. But it's not that I can't say that I, Tamar Craver, won it. Reality Changers won that award because of the work that we do we really had something very valuable to show Bank of America and they believed in us. So I take great pride in that, that after 16 years of trying to work that here with Reality Changers, we won that award because that is, it's a big deal. It's a really huge grant in and of itself, but the support that you get from Bank of America is also amazing. Uh, Seeing our students win these scholarships, like this year, the scholarships that are rolling in just every day when we get text messages from students saying, I just got in here, I just got here, I just won the Chancellor's Scholarship, those things, bring me so much joy that this work really matters, that every day I go to bed feeling really good about what I do because I know that just somehow, some way, Reality Changers had a, a role in the success of this student and they're going to take over the world. And that brings me joy. And I know that the funding that is received yeah. by Reality Changers, those funders receive an incredible return on investment Absolutely. because you do a lot with, with a little. Yes. So let me ask you this. 
What do you see as you look forward into the future of reality changers, whether it's one, two, or five years, mm -hmm. what do you see the greatest challenges for you that lie ahead? Right, the, the, honestly, the greatest challenge for us right now is a permanent home. Um, we have, we've been very fortunate. We've worked really closely with the school district and they've been very generous in giving us space in different locations. But sometimes when schools uh, increase their enrollment, it ha we have to move. Um, it is, it, at, we're 20 some years old now, like we're mm -hmm. grown up. No. We need our own home. And so we are looking for a permanent forever home for reality changers because I think it's also important that the message that we're sending our students and our families is we can't be transient serving a transient community. I want to have something permanent forever that forever and ever there will be a home for reality changes for our alumni community. Our parents can always come to and that we could be a hub for education. Other education organizations can come work with us. Our university partners can come work with us. So that's that is for me is probably the biggest thing on the timeline horizon for me is securing a forever home for reality changers. And there's a really, really a sense of urgency there. around that. <laughs> and and I know that although you have been transient to some degree, you've you've stayed within the community yes, of City Heights. Absolutely. Why is it important to be in City Heights? Well, it's it's where we started for the most part. We started in Golden Hill, but our first uh, office space was in City Heights. And I think we have grown and evolved because of City Heights and the community that we serve in City Heights. And one of the things I learned when I first moved here is that City Heights has gone through and will continue to go through different changes, demographic changes, because it has been seen as a refugee community, where when there's, you know, influx of different communities, that's where you see it is in City Heights. And so it is important for us to stay there. This is where we started. This is where we've grown deep roots in serving that community, the schools around it. And we work with all schools across the district. But having our home in City Heights and continuing to serve and stay in City Heights is very important to to us, quite frankly. And then that begs the question. I mean, you have very deep roots yes. in City Heights and you serve a wonderful, uh, diverse sort of a, a, a tapestry of, of, of students. Mm -hmm. But the demand is always going to be so great. Right. And the model that Reality Changers employs not only is successful in the city of San Diego and City Heights neighborhood specifically, but, you know, as, as you go press further eastward mm -hmm. or you go north or you go south, there is an overwhelming demand. Correct. How, how do you work with, um, you know, that, that great a level of need without mm -hmm. going threadbare? Right. So one of the things that we did when I first came here was to really look at our programming. And we used to have like a waiting list of about 300 students. And I, I didn't feel good about that. Like, that's not, I don't take, I wish I could serve mm -hmm. every single student that wants to be served. I wish I could serve them. But one of the things we wanted to do was to strengthen the program here in our own backyard, is to make sure that we are reaching as many students as we possibly could in the San Diego County. And so there are so many students out there. There are so many students that across that I wish that we could tap into. So as we think about the future of reality changers, there should be a day when there might be a reality changer in another location. Mm -hmm. That's pie in the sky. That's kind of like my long-term vision for reality changers because I want to be able to serve the students in their community. I think that's also very important. And, and I think, you know, when you talk about the way that reality changers serves community, there is a, a common framework, which is incredibly successful, but everything is very much context-based mm -hmm. and culturally-based. So yes. maybe a, a reality changers, let's say, in East County mm -hmm. or in, in South Bay, 
will have the same sort of guts but might look very Correct. different than what you have in City Heights. Right. Absolutely. And maybe even in Mexico one day. Um, and, and let's hope so uh, in, in Mexico uh, someday soon. Because yes. the need there is, you know, when we talk about the needs here and the longer term impacts of the pandemic pushing six months to a year back, what we're finding in Mexico right. and throughout Latin America is that it's three to six years pushed back. So the, again, the need is pronounced. And, and the fact that so many learners will, will come across on a daily basis, right. it would be great for them to have a reality changers a little bit closer to home. Yes. Okay, so sense of urgency around a permanent home. Yes. Um, a, 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 you know, a surging and burgeoning need, burgeoning demand. What are their challenges, Taylor? I think the, also looking at staffing, I mean, the world has changed and, you know, going from remote uh, to back in person and that people that are committed to this type of work and that will get pulled away by more money or shiny mm-hmm. Apple computers and things mm-hmm. like that, that as a smaller nonprofit, we may not be able to do. So we're always looking at ways to how do we make the biggest impact for our staff as well to keep them on board so that they are great examples for us. It hurts our students when we have staff come in and they only stay for a year because these students get connected to the people that they serve. So really finding people that are committed to this type of work. So looking at different ways of how do we support our student, I mean, our staff to mm-hmm. want to stay when something, another offer could come that might just be more money. And we always say more money doesn't always mean a better opportunity, but how do we make this worthwhile as well for our, uh, for our staff? So incentivizing, incentivizing them in a way that doesn't break the bank. That, that doesn't break the bank. <laughs> yes. um, now I know that you also have, any number of volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, and is that something that you're looking to expand to? Absolutely. Um, we've been, we've had so many amazing volunteers. We're so grateful for our volunteers. Some people have been with us since the very beginning and still volunteer twice a week with us for 18 years, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, but we always need volunteers to help with our students, help them with their homework. We also have um, alumni mentors that are working with students that are on campus and have gra- or graduated recently really that mentorship goes a long way. Most of our students don't have a family member that is a president of a bank or a faculty member on a college uh, university or an attorney. We want to be able to give them resources to start to build their own Rolodex, creating that network for themselves. So when we get a, when you have a mentor, even if that, if that person is not in the industry that the student is interested in, it's really about that person and who they know doors can be opened by simply who you know. And so that is something that we really try to build in for our students. So the need of volunteers to not only help with just like the homework stuff and tutoring, but also just day-to-day mentoring of a young person, resume writing, coaching Mm -hmm. on how to prepare for an interview. Again, we don't want to be experts at everything, but we want to be able to have experts Mm -hmm. that can do everything. So so also sounding boards, somebody who can... uh, listen to your anxieties and worries, maybe a shoulder yes, to cry on absolutely. as well. Now, as, as you look further into the future and, and sort of things that you would like to do, things that you would like to see, talk perhaps a bit about where you see the interplay between reality changers and post-secondary institutions. And I know you've got programs going with San Diego, all of the locals, mm-hmm. of course, and including UC San Diego. But what would you like to see? How would you like to see those relationships grow? Oh, great question. I would really like to see those grow in a way that can continue to be organic mm-hmm. um, and not just transactional. 
not just, you know, but really a true partnership. So looking at how can we do dual enrollment for our students? What is a what would be a privilege and an honor for a student to be a part of our program if they can come out with a an AA degree from being a part of Reality Changers that then positions them differently to go into a four year institution um, and really getting those students across the finish line. That to me is the most important. So building those strong relationships internally for our university partners um, to really say, you know, Morgan, here's 20 of my students that are here. I need your help. We need hands on these students at all times. We need eyes on these students at all times. How do we support these students? And it's not a punitive thing. It's a supportive thing. If a student is um, having challenges, somebody mm-hmm. needs to know. Who knows immediately that this student is having a trouble in a financial aid? Who knows if this student is having housing issues? We have to have a built-in support system on these campuses that will support our students all the way through. And, and it's interesting that you sort of really talk about a seamless model mm-hmm. of support. And, you know, whether it is community colleges or state universities right. or the University of California, for some of the private institutions, Absolutely. really having a much more learner-centric focus Mm -hmm. and not just in terms of you're going to get out of this class with an A, but we are going to lessen the degree of anxiety, lessen the degree of stress as you go through. And I think that really speaks to reality changers is not just getting you to the door, but really getting you in and making sure Mm -hmm. that you get through. Then even looking further into the future, how do you see reality changers in, in, you know, had you your druthers, mm-hmm. how could reality changers really transform the educational landscape writ large? Mm-hmm. So really structural changes in the way that we educate for equity. Yes. Uh, I would love for reality changers to be a, um, a voice for universities of support to, to really talk about that transition into college for a first-generation student. So I think historically, over my career, I've always heard universities and colleges say, we want more first-generation students. We want this demographic. We want this. But are they truly prepared to serve that population? And I think that's where reality changers can be a partner and a voice with universities and colleges is really to talk about things that you, that people don't think about. I can, if, if you don't mind, I'll give you an example. Please. And this was pre- a previous um, experience I had. We were sending students from Los Angeles across the country to upstate New York. And you're talking about cold weather, mm-hmm. distance from the airport, all of these things. But one of the first things that happened is our students showed up and they none of them had parents with them. So first day of school on campus, no parent to help you move into the dorm. So they're already And and that's part of the experience. I mean, that's part, it's, you know, sort of a rite of passage. So there was always, there was a moment of like otherness, like, oh, wait, like, I don't have a mom here to help me lug my bags up the, Mm -hmm. you know, to the dorm. Then it also became when they went to the bookstore, they didn't have a credit card to buy their books. Another moment of like pause. And so the conversation that we had with university officials was like, this can't just be a them problem. I bet you probably have a lot more students like this. And they found immediately that there were hundreds of students that were experiencing it. But because we were partnering with them, they saw the problem from a different lens. And that prompted them to change 
how they supported students coming on campus for the first time. Mm-hmm. And it really causes a reevaluation of priorities. Yes. So we're not just saying, okay, we've achieved our first mm-hmm. gen admissions goals. Right. But then what? What about the first day? What about the first year? Yes. Second year and third year. So you're really talking about sort of broader sweeping changes. Mm-hmm. Not so much in in the the structures of institutions, but the way that we interact with learners. Mm -hmm. Tamara, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you here. I know that we will continue this conversation in another episode that is focused on the incredible work being done by reality changers. But for now, on behalf of myself, Morgan Appel, Assistant Dean for the Division of Extended Studies at UC San Diego, And my guest, Tamara Craver, president and CEO of Reality Changers. I appreciate you taking the time to join into our creative conversation and we'll look forward to seeing you next time.